0: good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. And what's really special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm just so uh, always excited about this opportunity. We work jointly on this project that we are so both passionate about. So welcome, Haley, to another episode. (laughs) Now, today we're going to talk about devices
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I find it very interesting because it isn't just devices in kids, it's devices and ourselves because it's actually going to, we're going to bring it all together here about what this has to do with authenticity mm-hmm. and connecting to ourselves. So I'm going to start, and by the way, how are you today? We're doing oh, this on right. Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend.
1: Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Fall colors are everywhere. I love it feels good so
0: that would, that would be canadian thanksgiving
1: it's true <laughs> this is true a little bit early for our american listeners <laughs>
0: beyond yes and for our australian and beyond listeners who don't celebrate thanksgiving happy thank happy canada thanksgiving <laughs> so i'm going to start with a gabor Mate quote mm-hmm. about when you sh- what age the question is what age should you give digital media to kids and his answer is you give digital media to kids when they're old enough to handle it now when are they old enough to handle it when they are when they no longer rely on it to meet their emotional needs but they use it for the function for which it's developed which is information and communication the digital media can be introduced to the child's life when the parents can stay in control of it so first of all this thing can become emotion, we can become emotionally dependent on these devices. And then it exceeds what it's meant for. And so not only do we have to be aware of that with our own kids, for those of you who are listening and are parents, but I think it relates to rely on these tools. It's a tool for communication. And when we use any tool, to meet our emotional needs you know we can get high on it, it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes addictive wine is a nice thing to have with supper but when we rely on it to meet our emotional needs it becomes problematic and we have to be from an authentic perspective we have to keep be, keep very mindful and it doesn't mean that we're not going to use it for our emotional needs but it's like tv are we using are we using anything in life to meet our emotional needs and it's going to happen we're human we're going to use it to meet our emotional needs but being authentic says we're being honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. all right now I digress a little bit because you know we're really going to be focusing on devices and kids now you live in this world you teach high school (laughs) so what is your experience with devices emotional needs and connection
1: the biggest problem, well, one of the biggest issues I think that I've had to combat. And I, I mean, to be fair, I, I haven't really worked in a, a teaching, like I've only been in the teaching profession for, you know, this is my sixth year. So I've never really had to teach without cell phones, but they're everywhere. And especially I found, you know, post COVID, their like ability to reach, to, to wait, to reach for it has diminished because you know when they were online they had it right there beside them they were able to just pick it up and go on it they didn't have the same stamina that they did before so it's it's gotten infinitely worse and again and again in parent-teacher interviews you know every time we've had to bring up a you know he's on his phone a lot we've had to confiscate his phone a lot um you know the parents are like you know this is a, a great thing the they, they see it as a relief, parents see it as a relief that we can confiscate their phones and give them a break from it because the, the kids aren't aware of how to do it themselves. And in, in some ways it's not their fault. These apps are designed to be addictive. They're designed that the infinite scroll that is on Facebook and Instagram, where it doesn't you know load a page and then you have to click to the next page when you're done, it just goes on forever. That was purposefully designed so that we just keep consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming. Um, and the, in the, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's, to some extent, it's not even these teens fault. They're, they're using these apps that have been designed to hook them in. They're designed to, you know, crave they're designed to create the dopamine rush in these, in these users. So they're, it's, it's not really their fault, but we give them these devices that they spend upwards of 10, 11, 12 plus hours on. Um, and they're these private little devices that they carry with them everywhere. Um, so yeah, it's. It's a hard one. The kids seem to re- they, the kids do recognize the harm it causes. They recognize that, and and they're willing to talk about it. And they talk about because I think it's two things. I think it's it's being connected all the time with this device, but then also the 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 wild west world of social media. And I think they're similar problems, in that they're both addictive but you know, cell phones are also addictive for games. They're addictive for, for reliance on it. They're addictive because they're always there and they're always at arm's reach. And, you know, we check our phone many, many, many times a minute. Um, but then on the other hand, you also have this world of social media where, you know, kids are on it on their devices, uh, but they're connected and they're plugged in all the time and, and they use social media to connect with each other. They, they put themselves out there, social media to circulate, you know, jokes and trends and and get into these these groups of like minded individuals, which can be good and bad. So I think there's sort of two issues here, uh, is the instant gratification that comes with the cell phone and all the notifications, but also the world of social media and the lack of, of regulation and that we put these these both of these tools in the hands of 18 year olds or, or younger before they're even allowed to drink and drive and you know, vote and uh, all of these other things that we we deem our adults' privileges. Um, so yeah, so it's a tricky thing. So I, I don't really blame teenagers um, because it's the world that they live in, and they they can't really help it. Um, but the, the next question is, what do we do about it? You know.
0: What are you seeing? So what what you're saying is that this device is potentially um, addictive. Yeah. And when we say addictive, we get that dopamine hit. Yeah. And yeah. W- in the still developing brain, and yeah. I don't know that, that, that research would suggest that we really have our deve- our brains developed until probably 25. Yeah. I think that's probably different for, for men and women. But in this still developing brain, they're very vulnerable. Yes. And so parents, I think what you're saying, adults in a child life, parents, teachers, caregivers in a child's life need to be responsible to help them manage that. And they, you can't rely on a child to manage that any more than you can rely on a, on a vehicle yeah. to, uh, to manage their life. You have to step in and manage that for them certainly with them until their brains are capable of managing that for themselves. How would you interpret that?
1: Absolutely. And I think it is tricky as well, because putting all of the onus on parents is really hard because, you know, these students, like this is their world, you know, they come to school, but also, especially for like two years during the pandemic, this was the only way they connected with, with the world outside of their family. Right. We are seeing trends uh, in this generation where they're later to get their driver's license. They don't go out and party as much. Um, They try alcohol later. We are seeing these trends with Gen Z, uh, which are are kids born after the millennials. So, you know, late 90s, early 2000s until 2015 or so. Um, But we are seeing that these these general Zers are a little bit later to do all of these what we used to call like typical teenage activities. Um, But it's I would argue that a huge part of it is because their world is online. They're using apps like Discord and they're using even Instagram is kind of on its way out with this new generation. Um, But they use TikTok and these apps are designed to get them addictive and all of their friends use that app. So for them to just not say the the, you know, for them to not have a cell phone or for them to not use these, these social media outlets would actually ostracize them in their real life communities um, because they're not part of that community. They're, they don't use those those tools. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so it's tricky. So you can't just tell these kids not to use any of these things. That would like it'd be like saying, stay in your house. Don't go out and meet friends, right? Because for them, part of this is meeting their friends, right? They, they connect on social media, right? And so it's it's tricky. But meanwhile, social media like it's, it's full of ads and it's full of, of these like TikTok, for example, it's these tiny little dopamine hits every three seconds and they swipe through and they swipe through and they swipe through. Some of my students say that they can spend four hours, just literally four hours straight staring at their phone and just swiping and swiping and swiping uh, through TikTok. Um, and then from there too, you have these issues with you know, what really worries me too is how easily these kids consume that media and what that media is that they're consuming. Um, you know, they all the myths and disinformation that's out there, they're consuming a lot of these conspiracy theories, they're consuming a lot of, of lies. Um, and by these adults who are purposely manipulating these kids um, to use their product more and to spend more money and to, you know, radicalize them quite frankly. Um, So it's quite worrisome. And I I really actually worry what the long-term impacts are going to be of these kids who grew up with social media and have been using it for, you know, half or more of their life.
0: So Haley, I grew up in an age where, when you wanted to spend time with your friends on -hmm. the weekend, Mm -hmm. I I grew up on a farm. So my parents would drive me into Mm -hmm. town Mm -hmm. and they'd drop me off and they would pick me up. And we spent the time hanging out at the bowling alley, and we spent the time hanging out at the pool hall uh, when I was an early teen. What is the difference? And as you observe kids, what's the difference between face to face contact and connecting virtually?
1: I think they are. They are still meeting face to face that that's still a, a big piece but i think the issue is that they'll go to the bowling alley or they'll go to the coffee well maybe not bowling alley nowadays but they'll go and hang out at the mall or get ice cream or go to the coffee shop or whatever or go to the movies whatever but then they stay up till three four in the morning on social media right so they're still it's just adding more to their day they're still connecting with their friends afterwards until the the late night hours but, you know, I even get emails from students. I, I got one this weekend from 2.30 in the morning. that um, the student sent me an email at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> um, uh, you know, during the summer and holiday hours, they're their complete day and night is completely flipped. And they all engage with each other in the middle of the night. And they stay up late playing video games, connecting on social media. Uh, and then they sleep until 4 p.m. and then they get up and they do it all again. So... <laughs> I mean, so they are still connecting face to face, but what really worries me is who they're connecting with afterwards. Yes, sometimes it is their friends, absolutely, but they're engaging with with the amount of information that has never been available to human beings up to this point. The wealth of information that they consume within an hour or more is outstanding. Um, And some of it's good. You know, when you look at the kind of conversations and how aware these kids are of global issues, if their feed shows them that but these feeds are curated to suit you and your interests that's the way these algorithms work of these of these cell phones right so you know if you start clicking on all it takes i I watched a really fascinating study by a phd student um and where she looked at how quickly a student went from engaging with um you know um it was transphobic words that were against trans people um how quickly that escalated from like engaging with a little bit more of that content, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more within an hour or two, she was in full white supremacy conspiracy theory content, because that's the way that those algorithms, they look for similarities and they just give you more of what you want. So that's what really, really worries me with these teens is that they have these devices that are largely private right? They're not the big screens of the computers in the living room. They're these private little devices that they look at from the darkness of their room at two in the morning. Um, And they don't have the brain development yet, nor the resources to think critically about what they're consuming. So you end up with, you know, these this this, you know, I had a student who genuinely believed that birds didn't exist, that genuinely, didn't believe that birds existed and that all birds were just drones put out by the government to surveil us and that genuinely in his in like this this 15 year old kid who had had consumed enough of that on social media that he believed that that was the truth and that is really that that puts a, a big weight on parents and teachers to uneducate what this kid had learned um not to mention you know you know the the incel movement, right? Which is um, where these young men connect. I don't, have you heard of the incel movement dad? Um, It's It stands for involuntary celibate. And what it is is this group of, of men who have connected on these really harmful social media websites and they've been able to connect together, which in some ways would be really great. They're meeting community, they're meeting people they wouldn't have ordinarily met in the real world. But what ends up happening is they connect together and it just fuels their their beliefs. And so in this case, in the incel movement, it's it's fueling the misogyny and the anti-female sentiment and the anger of them being single is being directed at women. And so if you remember, there was that that guy who drove a van in in Toronto into a group of people and I think it was 2015, right? That was birthed from this incel movement So, I mean, that is a very extreme example, right? But the problem is you end up with these kids who don't even know who they are yet, let alone how to think critically about the world around them. And we're giving them access to so much information that is largely unregulated uh, in a device that's on them 24-7, connected to them 24-7 that they can access at any time and with largely no supervision by any of the caring adults in their life. That's a lot and that's really worrying, you know? So I think, um, yeah, and that's hard. And it's hard for parents to be aware of that because the trends and and everything gets changing is so quickly, you know, even I joke with the students that a joke that circulates on the internet and goes viral on the internet is considered old and outdated within a couple of weeks. Everyone's seen it and it's passé within a couple of weeks. So the the rate at which things are changing um, is fascinating but also horrifying um cuz how how the heck can parents keep up so yeah so it's hard it's a hard one and they can't just say you know put your phone away don't look at social media cuz that would disconnect them from the people in real life and connect them from a lot of communities that they're part of but some of those communities are really bad so it's a it's a hard thing
0: okay so i'm getting three things from your response number mm-hmm. 1 we need to be really conscious yes we need to be yeah. conscious of how we're using social media how we're definitely. using devices definitely. to cope with our own life definitely number two we have to take charge as yes. parents yes. and as adults in a child's life we have to be in charge of that environment yes uh, there's certain things we can, may not be able to control but we have to take charge and recognize we can't let our kids run the show we have to be parents
1: mm-hmm.
0: we have to set limits we have to have s- boundaries. Uh-huh. Around the use of social media, and then the third thing is to keep conversations going. We need to talk about why we're setting limits. We need to talk about what we're aware of. We need to talk about what we're learning and we need to stay connected. You can't simply just say, well, uh, we're going to leave the leave your devices to you, go go into your own room and it and it become it can become a babysitter." Uh-huh. For For a lack of, you know, for for an abdication of parenting, so we have to we have to step into parenting even more today, in these three areas, and be aware of ourselves around how we're using our devices to cope with our lives.
1: Definitely, and I think to have these conversations because that's a big one too, right? Like even I've had some really big conversations with primarily young men um, who engage with a lot of like like they they see they they don't see the nuance in a lot of these jokes that they see online and they're quick to spread it so that in turn ends up giving them these you know if they if they then they spread these jokes they don't realize how harmful misogynist sexist racist homophobic anti-semitic you name it jokes are um i even you know just saw kanye west for example uh, who's this big time author or uh, rapper and has a whole bunch of followers just got banned from Instagram for a really uh, strong anti-Semitic uh, t- uh, post where he thought he was literally said, I'm going Deathcon con three on Jewish people, like explicitly anti-Semitic. And, you know, um, he's getting banned from, from, from Instagram, but he's got a whole bunch of followers on Twitter. Elon Musk is supporting him in all this. And so you have these kids engaging in that, like there, you have to have these conversations with these kids about the stuff that they read online. Cause it, it's ultimately it's, it's incredibly harmful for, for individuals, for society. Um, and, and I think it, it needs to be done in this, this conversation kind of way. Cause otherwise if it's just, uh, I'm taking your device away from you, you're not having your device that is just going to, they're not going to understand why it's so harmful. So it needs to be these conversations and it needs to be modeled by parents too. I'm guilty of this. I have my phone on me all the time, but it's really hard to model the like the model behavior in terms of how, how bad cell phones are for you and how addictive they are and all consuming they are when you yourself have your cell phone on you all the time. So i setting those boundaries in the home, you know, like there's no reason cell phones need to be out on game night or movie night or dinner time. There's no reason cell phones need to be there to teach kids to be away from their cell phone. A big one that we tell parents a lot is that there's no reason why kids can't have their phone charging in the kitchen overnight. The phones should not be charging in the kids' bedrooms. Um, the blue light is harmful for their, for their sleep awake cycle. That's, that's been well-documented. Um, but also in terms of just the, the, that incessant need to check it. Right. And to be up until late hours on it without any parental guidance or, or anything like that to just get consumed in this world. Um, not to mention mental health and all that stuff too, from consuming all this media, because that's also high rates of anxiety and depression have also been linked to social media too. Um, and so, you know, things like that too, right. There's no reason why the phone can't be plugged in, in the kitchen, um, away from the kids to just to the impulse to grab it. Um, You know, so, yeah, so I think that's the big thing, too. It can't just be uh, no cell phones. You're not getting a cell phone until you're 18 because, you know, that's that's also really harming for the kids who do want to connect and use it safely and understand why the harm where the harm comes from.
0: Well, I love this notion of keeping cell phones out of bedrooms i Mm -hmm. you can't convince computers
1: for that matter too. computers too.
0: technology does not belong in a bedroom but again are we modeling that as parents Uh, there's no reason why i I remember when you two were teenagers you and your sister and i remember we we were just emerging into this world of technology Mm -hmm. and you'd be sitting across the table from each other texting each other and having conversations through your devices (laughs) There's no reason why devices belong at supper hour. You know, families who eat together, stay together. We, we, and research will, will, uh, will bear this out that we need rituals every day, if not regularly, a few times a week where we eat together, where we take the time to put our life in, in, you know, on pause and come together and make our life a connection as a family and having these ritual times and we have to model and insist that cell phones don't belong at the supper table and we have yes. to have limits and limits in terms of the structure for when they're they're uh, viewed and we have to take charge of that as parents at the same time we have to be a, take charge of knowing what our kids are watching mm. knowing what our kids are tuning into and mm. making sure that there are certain websites Certain areas on the internet that kids do not have access to. We got to take charge of that as parents. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's hard to do that. Cause um, like, it, you know, even I think about, you know, we've, we as a school have blocked, you know, social media websites, but then they just go on their phone and there's only so much apps, like there's only so many ways you can actually block and, and, you know, limit the access. Cause kids find a workaround. They're so tech savvy. You know, they use these things called like VPNs, which hide where your IP address is coming from. They have different apps to disguise other apps. They like they're so tech savvy that they will find a way around it. I know parents who've tried to put blockers on certain websites and things for, for kids, and they have all the extensions on their Google Chrome to go around it. So I think even before blocking it, it needs to be a, a total hiding of the device so that you don't see it and aren't tempted by it. Cause I know if my phone is on me, I'm going to check it. Right. But if my phone is even in the next room that gets rid of that temptation a little bit, right. We are human and we still have these animalistic sides of our brain that crave the dopamine rush. Right. So recognizing that this is a device that has been designed to addict you. Right. And so finding ways like you can't just know there's there's, like you know to not eat junk food for example the best thing you can do is just not buy chips because if it's in the house they're going to get eaten right same with alcohol and things like that right so finding ways of of making the device as uncomfortable to access as possible can be a really great thing right um you know some some teachers and i know some parents do this too they have like a phone drop-off zone at the front of their house um, with like little, little pockets in the, you know, and a shower curtain kind of thing. They might take a shower curtain, and add little pockets to it. And it can be like a little phone hotel to check in the phones. Um, <clears throat> that can be a really great thing. Um, I know people who go out for dinner, my friends and I used to do it in university where you you make a stack of your cell phones on the, on, if you go out for dinner, uh, you make a stack of your cell phones. The first person to reach for their cell phone has to cover the whole bill for the whole table. Um, so there's like fun ways of going around it um but even you know ways of like laptops and things like that um i know some parents of the the students we teach will uh keep the chargers hidden so that kids can still you know work on their laptops get homework done and things like that but they have to be mindful that you know they only have the battery life um and then they have to you know if they need to go get the charger from mom and dad like that's a whole other you know they have to you know figure that out um so that can be a really huge huge thing too so I think it's it's like recognizing the harm of it, having these discussions with kids, modeling it yourself, and then also recognizing that these devi- devices have been designed to be addictive on purpose, and recognizing that we're only human. Um, so finding ways there there are there are apps that screen time apps that will block you like will turn off your cell phone after a certain number of hours. Um, there's one I used in university where you can whitelist or blacklist websites. So whitelist meant that only certain websites are allowed, everything else is blocked. So if you need to get an assignment done and you, you need you know, Google Docs or whatever, uh, or you could blacklist, so these websites are blocked. So there are ways of going about doing that, but I think it needs to start with conversations with kids about why it's so harmful. Otherwise, they're just not gonna get it. It's the same with you know, drinking and driving, right? Like if you just tell kids not to drink and drive, they're not gonna understand it. But if you explain the harm of drinking and driving and the, the impact that it can cause, It's going to to sit in a lot better for them. Kids like to know the why, not just the what.
0: Right on. Yeah, right on. I love it. Well, just as we wrap this up, I just want to do a pitch for how this relates to our own authenticity. As I look around the world, if you go into public places, we've, you know, I don't know what the most recent research on this, but it's been estimated that we're going to spend five years of our life looking down at our cell phone. And I think we miss something in the quality of our life. I mean, I, I work with leaders all the time, and I'm helping them connect to their authentic self. How do you connect with your authentic self when your device is sitting on your bedside table, and the first thing that you wake up to are you know, followers on, on an in, on a, on a internet, and that you get into the news, and you immediately hear the voice of the world and if you don't connect with yourself to be at least begin the day with, how can you possibly connect with yourself when you already get into the tyranny of the demands of other people? So I, I stress very strongly uh, to leave your own device outside your bedroom. Take Have a ritual in the morning when you connect with yourself. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through some meditation practice. Maybe a yoga practice where you connect with yourself. Maybe it's a, a jog. Uh, you know, to it's a it's a it's a you know through the a running path, but connect with yourself first. Maybe it's getting out in nature to connect with yourself first before you connect with the world and have your own boundaries. And I, you know, we certainly aren't here to give any answers. We I hope that we've created some internal reflections and some some an opportunity for people to have some conversations around how do we connect with something deeper. Than just simply what's on social media if we if we're committed as we are here to navigate you to your own authentic self mm-hmm. any final thoughts you might have around all that
1: yeah and i think you know it, it when your device when you live at the time in your device it it opens up like there's no such thing this is the other thing too like there's no such thing as not enough time it's just it's it's doing what what you can with the time that you have right you will prioritize things that you want to have time for Right. I, you know, and, and if, if the more time is spent on your phone, then that's time being taken away from something else. Right. So the more you can, you can put down your cell phone, put down social media, put down the email, right. The more time you will have for everything else, being with your kids, you know, in, in uh, authentic moments with yourself, um, whatever you know, things that are actually gratifying and make you feel good. And not just the of the dopamine rush on your cell phone.
0: One of the ways that you can tell whether an activity is is authentic or not is by asking yourself how much energy you get from from getting do you feel more alive and more energized and more connected to the world after you do an activity, or do you feel more yucky and and depleted. And so this is one of the ways that you know you can uh, begin to we all get hooked, whether it's sports or whether it's the media, the drama of the media. You know there's a big difference between understanding the news and getting getting immersed in the drama of the news because so much of our news today is based on getting us connected and entertaining us, uh, getting us connected with the I won't even say connected, but getting us uh, entertained rather than really getting us connected and involved in the world mm-hmm. by connecting Definitely. with ourselves. Well, it is always a delight to spend time with you. Now, this is a Thanksgiving weekend, so we're going to end as we always do but shining a light on what we're grateful for.
1: Oh, lovely. Uh I am grateful for the ability to move. Um just fall running is always wonderful. Um I am also grateful for uh health. I've had a number of colleagues who've been out sick this week and it's been it's been hard with with COVID and everything. So so I'm, I'm grateful for my health, uh, and I am grateful for my students. Uh, we've been working on Shakespeare, and they've been having really wonderful conversations about the relevance of Shakespeare today, and and you know, being open to criticizing him and thinking critically about Shakespeare and and things like that. So I'm I uh, you know, look to spending time with my students gives me hope for the future, even with social media and all that junk. What are you grateful for, Dad?
0: Well, I will echo the notion of being grateful for your health you know when i took care of your uncle my brother uh, while he was dying one of the things that i learned from hal was uh, when you have your health you have a thousand wishes and when you don't have your health you have one so health is one of those rare and precious things that we can take for granted just like a a, a significant relationship in our life we can take for granted that that person will be around forever so i am grateful for my health today uh and every day that uh you know, I wake up, I think, well, you know what, I've, I've got, I'm blessed with another, with another day, and it's a, it's going to be a good day. So I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for this time of year. I still love this time of year. I love walking in nature. I love walking and as the leaves fall and as the crispness. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm grateful for family. And, you know, during this Thanksgiving weekend that we made the time to do this, I'm Thank grateful you. to be able to just have this time with you as a, as a dear daughter in my life. So I'm very grateful to you, Haley. Me too,
1: Dad. Love you too, Daddy. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, until next time, stay conscious, stay real, keep those conversations going, and stay in charge if you've got kids in your life. Don't let let somebody else, don't let kids run the show here. Be a parent, (laughs) take care, and be real.